Welcome to the Millennial Therapist Podcast with Mao and Nao. This podcast is hosted by two millennial therapists who are true crime, forensic psychology, and macabre obsessed. This is not your typical mental health podcast where only mental health and social work topics are discussed. We dabble in various topics from cultural humility to military mental health to ghosts to interesting ways our parents use the paranormal to discipline us. Ed Kukui, anyone? <laughs> Why so many topics? Because we're millennials. To make things more interesting, one is an Air Force veteran and a mom of two, the other is currently serving active duty, and both are children of immigrants working to honor their ancestors. What's up, homies? This is Mao. So we're doing something a little different today where... Nao and I are actually guest stars on another forensic psychology podcast hosted by Adair, What's Wrong With Them? And we discuss the cult, which are modeled after AA Synanon. So stick with us and enjoy. Hi, friends. This is What's Wrong With Them, a true crime diagnostic podcast, and I am your host, Adair. But this week, I am not alone. I have the millennial therapist with me. Do you guys want to introduce yourselves? Yes. Hello. Thanks for having us. I'm so, so excited. I've been listening to you. I think before we started um, our own millennial therapist, I was like, oh my God, another therapist, like forensic psychology-based mental health. And um, so, yeah, so this is amazing for us to be here. So thank you. So this is Mao. Um, I am one half of the millennial therapist podcast with Mao and Nao, and we are a true crime forensic psychology podcast also. And the reason why we're, we kind of lean into the millennial therapist podcast type of deal or that title is because like we just talk about everything we're not so much just forensic psychology or true crime um or social work or or anything like that we um really dive into like the liberation oriented decolonizing mental health healing wellness and really the didactics or like also feel like the the polarizing sides of when you are a therapist but also like a child of immigrants refugees coming from biculturalness so yeah so that's a little bit about us and I'll have Nao introduce herself love it we need more of that (laughs) go for it Nao I'm Nao and um and concur (laughs) the other half of the pod so so thank you so much for having us here and I'm really excited to hear about um this whole situation going on um I feel like the cat meme the one that's like what the heck's going on over there (laughs) um so thank you for having us yeah thank you guys and um just for like listeners so the millennial therapist and I both were on a list of the top 10 forensic podcasts which was super cool so you know we need more therapists out there putting out accurate information not just making shit up on the spot (laughs) yeah they're throwing terms like yeah and I thank you for sending that over I woke up and I was like oh my god this is amazing I didn't even know there was a list and it was like really dope too because I saw like the top Three and I think number three was the LA Confidential, and which is a great pod. Huge. Yes, yeah, they're a huge podcast. Um, so it's like no big deal, guys. Yeah, Nao and I are famous. <laughs> <laughs> That's truly how it felt, though. I also didn't know. I think I just got tagged in it, and I was like, mm. oh, okay, <laughs> great. Yeah. That was sweet. Good to know. Okay, so today we are going to talk about Synanon. And Synanon is an AA abstinence-based program turned cult, which is just like a fun pathway. But uh, we're also going to touch on the troubled teen industry. And we're going to talk about, you know, what's wrong with them. We're going to talk about what's wrong with Chuck Dederick, the guy who started this. But before we dive into that, let me read you my disclaimer, which is going to be slightly different today because, of course, I have my co-host. So (laughs) we are licensed therapists. These are not formal diagnoses, but rather a discussion about potential diagnosis or signs of potential diagnoses based on information gathered about the following person. Like any other podcast, this is not expert opinion or peer-reviewed. In order to formally diagnose someone, we would need to conduct a thorough assessment with that person. This is our personal opinion based on research and is open to change and feedback. With that said... Let's talk about what's wrong with them. 
as he is known, was born March 22nd, 1913 in Toledo, Ohio. His dad was an alcoholic and died when Chuck, I'm just going to call him Chuck because that just seems easier. When Chuck was four, his dad passed away and then his mom basically raised him to be the man of the house. And that took on a whole new role when at age eight, his brother died from the flu, from influenza during the last pandemic. Fun fact. Chuck started drinking in high school, and then we're just going to kind of like fast forward. So 1936, he gets married, and then he leaves that marriage in 1943 to move out to the West Coast. Once he gets out here, and by here, I mean that I am in California, but we, the three of us, are actually in three different time zones, so (laughs) most of this actually takes place, like, four hours south of me. Not that far. I'm actually very familiar with Santa Monica, which is where most of this takes place. So, he comes out here to the West Coast. He meets another woman, Ruth. They get married in 1948. They have a daughter. That marriage ends due to Chuck's continued alcohol use, and he loses a job because of his alcohol use, and eventually in 1950, in 1956, why are numbers hard for me today, he starts going to AA. But not just going to AA, he goes to AA all day, every day, and speaks speaks at all of them and starts to actually learn his earn his living through people's kindness and odd jobs that he gets through AA which I know I've worked in addiction I don't know if you guys have worked in addiction but when people are like looking for new housing and stuff AA is actually like a great place to go to be like hey go talk to people see if they have a couch or whatever that you can sleep on yeah I um I never did specifically specialize um substance use treatment but I worked with a lot of folks that were like in recovery or that we were working um to like harm reduction type of work but yeah I mean it's like a great Unity too, because it's lived experience, peer support. But just reading about Chuck's stuff about how he like spent all day there, and then um, there was a piece that I read where he like will just he'll talk all day if he could, which is like for me like red flag (laughs) taking over. And I'm sure you'll talk about that. (laughs) Yeah, absolute red flag. We love to see a narcissist out themselves. So at one year sober, which seems far too early to participate in this, but in 1957, one year sober, Chuck participates in an experiment at the, it says the University of LA, but I think it's UCLA. It just says University of Los Angeles, but I'm going to guess that that was UCLA. Anyway, he takes part in an experiment where he does LSD, and in this experiment, he is said to not have had hallucinations, which was different from basically everybody else who has ever done LSD, but he says that he experienced violent emotions and had buried memories come up, and after that felt much more alive, which leads him to become more philosophical in his discussions in LA, and oh my gosh, in A. And this kind of like builds up his following to the point where he starts holding meetings at his apartment and creates what is called the Tender Loving Care Club. This is the beginning. We aren't even at like Synanon yet, but this is what Synanon starts as was something that I think sounds like a really great idea. And it's someone trying to build their community and someone to get support and get clean and sober. But with this TLC club, he starts to get drug users. So 
NA wasn't super big yet. It was really just AA at the time. And so drug users start coming and the alcoholics get mad because there's this weird divide between AA and NA. But since there was already AA, Chuck was like, y'all can go somewhere else. And he basically keeps what he refers to as the dope fiends. This is what leads to actual synanon, which is said to be a combining of symposium and seminar, which turns into synanon. So it's with a Y, it's not with an I. But a lot of people just said it was like a space for anybody to talk about whatever. Yeah, which the 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 it's interesting that the tender love is it tender loving care club is what he called yeah. it, which mm-hmm. was not it at all because I think they talk about what the what the, what the the therapy looked like. It was like combative, yes. love like I don't know if it got physical, but they would like go at it, yeah, one another. So this is the game. The game is where anybody is allowed to say anything, true or not, to cause an effect on somebody else. And initially, violence was not allowed, but it did eventually become violent, and it's referred to as attack therapy, which... Weird. (laughs) We don't want that. (laughs) Oh, never. This is not how group therapy is done. No. (laughs) We do not recommend this. However, because we haven't even gone to the troubled teen part yet, mm-hmm. it still continues, which is crazy. And this is what actually leads to a lot of the child abuse reports that happen later. Oh, yeah. And so this was also he when he like also created this as a nonprofit, essentially, right? So like it yeah. made it e- seem even more legit that he was, you know, it, creating this space, which is such a catch twenty two because there was such a lack of. Mm-hmm. Um, substance use treatment around and essentially it was like either jail or the streets so yeah. to have this space that was so different um i mean i'm which is like kind of like the new age stuff right like this like com- almost almost like radical movement of the, the other direction mm-hmm. so you get buy-in and then it creates i mean if if he was i mean he was already kind of like narcissistic e but like it creates this like martyr type of person that that feeds the ego well and he does eventually become a martyr because 1962 they move into an empty building in santa monica where they get to really like build up this following and at this point he gets arrested for operating a Mm -hmm. operating without a health license and the arrest alone makes him out to be this actual martyr which encourages people in synanon to like respect him more and like to dive deep Deeper into their stuff. Yeah. And upon his release, then Governor Edmund Brown Sr. signs a bill called the Save Synanon Bill, where Synanon is given an exemption from health licensing laws. <gasps> Ew. I know. Isn't that wild? This is like... I don't know why we don't learn about this. And I was telling the millennial therapist earlier, like, I don't know why we don't learn about this because I feel like this is such a good example of somebody using their power in an unethical way and, like, you know, using their connections and stuff like that to do something really harmful. And Mm -hmm. people don't even know that this thing even existed. Yeah, and I think I think a big piece that, like, Nao and I in our space talk about is, like, we don't want to perpetuate gatekeeping either, right? Like, we mm-hmm. don't want to perpetuate this, like, hierarchical, like, privilege that it, it that education creates and has when it comes to this, like, space as, as therapists. Um, so we're, like, you know, like, you are in, in, in the therapy seat. Like, you are the expert in your own life. Like, there's so much value in peer support you know lived experience counselors um that like a lot of times I grapple of like does it what does it even mean to be licensed right like, right what is that right even? but like but fuckers like this is why yeah ruin it for everybody and this guy just to keep in mind I think was a high school dropout and had no experience in any kind of counseling or anything and started this whole no. program and became the guy who supposedly coined this is the first day of the rest of your life 
Mm. Which is still like a regularly used quote True. in AA, NA, and recovery in general. And he became this guy that a lot of his stuff still continues. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and it's so insidious, too, because it Mm -hmm. comes from such a vulnerable, like, population and and for, like, quote-unquote, good deeds. Yeah, it does. And because of this population, you have to ask yourself, like, how did he buy all of these things and how did he get this space and everything? Well, he starts getting donations from the rich and famous in Hollywood because he would have, like, bands and music and stuff at this place in Santa Monica right on the beach. It's gorgeous. Like, of course, you'd want to go and spend your money. And in, and then there's a Life magazine spread, a 14-page mm-hmm. photo spread, where the congressman at the time calls it the miracle on the beach. And Columbia Pictures then puts out a movie called Synanon. And they actually use a lot of the people that were living there at the time, which, like, confidentiality issues, but it has actual actors in it. And... At a certain point, Chuck encourages people to start shaving their heads. And this was, like, punishment, and it was part of hazing, and it was just became, like, a typical thing that they did. And it became such a, like, strange phenomenon that George George Lucas, as in Star Wars, used Synanon members as background actors for a movie. Because they all had their heads shaved. Yeah! (laughs) Wasn't it, like, almost like a dystopian... Yes. It was like one of his like lessons. It wasn't Star Wars. Right. It was before. Yeah. It was not Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. That's bad. It's very strange to me because it just like, right. Like you, you talk about the fame of this, like that literally the people just like random people, like ex-addicts, ex-sex workers, like people that come into this mm-hmm. space, shave their head and George Lucas is like, Y'all look dystopian, yeah. <laughs> not yeah. knowing, like, not knowing like, the outcome. Going on, ooh, the irony, yeah. right? And it sucks too because like the attention that that Chuck in the Cinnaron was getting just fed into the, his ego that then started to make or not started but kept him like larger than life, like most cult leaders, right? Yes. Like I know we talked in on our our episode, one of our episodes, we talked about um, Nexium with Keith Ranieri, how he was, like, the self-proclaimed, like, smartest guy in the world. Yeah. Um, when he took an IQ test from the back of a fucking, like, magazine or something. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I did on an episode on him, too, and he's a fascinating mm-hmm. one, because there's, <laughs> there's so much there. <laughs> but back to Chuck and Synanon. Mm-hmm. So, 1964, Synanon is now becoming this kind of alternative community, and it's a attracting people just generally who want to live a self-examined life and build insight and he starts to get people to engage in the game right the game being attack therapy the game being truth-telling sessions in which you have to say something and they are still getting all this money and everything from like celebrities and local people and they start building a city in Marin County which is just north of or Marin Marin I've heard it both ways, but just north of San Francisco. And he starts inviting people, professionals, people without addictions, just general people to move to this city and join Synanon. He initially claims that Synanon has a 100% success rate, which is... In what? (laughs) In recovery? (laughs) (laughs) He says that everybody that goes to Synanon gets clean and sober and they are perfect forever. And I think that, like, statistically, not only is that impossible, but, like, even the best centers for substance use claim, like, like 20%. Like, it's not that high. And that's, I think that's also, like, where treatment is now of, like, recognizing that, like, like, these rehab treatment centers are kind of, like, the stepping stone to your recovery journey right mm-hmm. like I think that's like 
what we're all, we're now seeing also in the mental health and also like society wise of like addiction is is hard as fuck like yeah. it's more than just doing this and so this was the 70s right that they had cha- that they had already gone to 1967 oh okay okay right yeah. before okay right before yeah and as I'm kind of hearing you saying all these things like several things came up to mind and I won't say it so I'll say it from the people that can say it so so as soon as I got some of the info for what the pod was, I, I looked up to see, I was like, okay, let me do like a random Google search. And the FBI, I guess, did a full-on investigation. And per the FBI, they compare this organization, and I quote, much in the manner of Scientology, with their assets reported to be $20 million. And they have, they had at that time 300,000 worth of weapons and they own as an organization approximately 700 automobiles. So this is a pretty like impressive industry progress, like when we're talking about the mental health field at that time. Yeah, Um, they actually like, no, go, go. I mean, I only have like four (laughs) firearms. That's a mental health (laughs) therapist. Like why? Why does a psychotherapy program need that type of arsenal so they build it up over time oh sorry go ahead now yeah Uh, they build they're comparing it to scientology also makes me wonder like what else has the fbi looked into these similar like organizations or structures that they're following like how what impact it's having in the community yeah depending on like what people prey on Mm-hmm. Um, and that's a really vulnerable population because they already feel down on themselves. They don't feel like they're worth the support mm-hmm. and help. Mm-hmm. And um, they, they get offered all these things. And, yeah, what are people going to do? They're going to be people. They want to they want to belong. Yeah. Um, so, uh, so, so the FBI said this, not nail. (laughs) 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 So they eventually do like, so they're getting all this money from like local people and from even like politicians and stuff. And they eventually start like auctioning off Mustangs, like 1960s Mustangs, which of course are like still valuable at the time, but like far more valuable now, but auctioning off Mustangs to bring people into this community. So they are wealthy. Yeah. Wealthy. But okay, so you said, Mal, that mm-hmm. you know, it's it's great to that um you know, people eventually graduate. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, Chuck has a different perspective <laughs> mm-hmm. because in 1967, he says that his program is not a success and gets rid of the concept of graduation. He says that in order to stay in recovery, you have to stay in Synanon, meaning that you have to live there forever. And they institute what they call containment, which is not allowing contact with outsiders and only people within Synanon. So... Now we're getting That's like real Scientology, <laughs> culty, culty cult. Yeah, <laughs> that's what's happening, and so much so that uh, taxation becomes an issue. <laughs> and he says that um, this is now a religious organization, and it is referred to as the Church of Synanon. Yeah, good stuff. Good stuff, Chuck. We love to see it. So they purchase um, Club Casa del Mar, which is still there and has actually been redone back into the original hotel that it was. This hotel was built originally in 1926 and was a military headquarters during World War II. He purchases it, and it becomes the, like, dormitory for drug treatment and for business operations. Now... Let's get, like, deep into the culty cultness of Synanon because babies start getting taken away from parents and kids are now not allowed. The children that are there become raised communally and they are raised in something called the hatchery or, yeah, kind of like, um... Oh my gosh, what is that? Chickens? Yeah, like chickens, but what is that book? Um, Albert, oh my gosh, I'm having a brain fart. Where <laughs> all the babies are born in a lab. <laughs> I can like picture the cover and I'm forgetting the name of the book. I don't, I don't think I've read that one. Oh my gosh, okay, it's a very like philosophical book, but um, mm-hmm. 
Anyway, all the babies get taken to the hatchery. Kids get shipped off to Synanon schools, and he is encouraging abortions and sterilization. Kids are placed in boarding schools. A lot of kids run away, in quotes, or disappeared. And in fact, a bunch of kids have never been found. So this is where we get into the troubled teen industry. He starts wilderness programs and residential programs for kids. And they still exist! Mm-hmm. So we have what's called CEDU, C-E-D-U, which tr- stands for his initials, Charles E. Dederick University. And these schools still exist in Idaho, Montana, I think Illinois, and uh, California even has one. And a bunch of them has been, have been shut down because of child abuse, but kids literally have been running away, escaping these schools, and have never been found. Is that similar to then, like, the program that Paris Hilton yes. like, started speaking up against? Similar, right? Was that a Chuck University? Like, um, that, that the similar. one, no, the one that she went to wasn't, um, okay. but her, the one that she went to was a Utah one, which, then, Utah, yeah. so... So I'm in California. In California, we don't have locked facilities for kids. Um, So every residential is voluntary um, in that, like, the doors are unlocked. If you leave, you leave. So here in California, if we need to send a kid to a locked facility, that kid goes to usually Utah or Colorado. Oh, wow. And Utah has a lot of them. So, um, she was at one in Utah, and I'm actually going to do an episode specifically on the troubled teen industry, because one of my best, best friends went to Wilderness Academy schools, and then went to a residential, and um, eventually got clean, but those programs did not help her, <laughs> so yeah, we're going to talk about that. her, but the, those programs. I know there is a new, the one that um, Paris had mentioned, she went to a New York one to a program in when she was living in New York City too I think oh okay yeah I know upstate has a bunch yeah I just know about the one that was in Utah I think um but there are a lot um and like I said these schools still exist and they continually keep getting shut down because of child abuse and part of that reason is that they continued this game the attack therapy which became really violent and led to like regular beatings it led to kidnapping and what is still used for a lot of wilderness programs where you get gooned that's what it's called like where these people come to your house and kidnap you in the middle of the night and take you to your program or whatever and they like sit on the plane with you well that's kidnapping um that's illegal (laughs) could be illegal or you know some say is illegal yeah (laughs) and also the people who are like working in the in these schools weren't professionals they were people who were involved in synanon they were ex-addicts they were people who just wanted to be living there they were people who were like working for their room and board they weren't teachers and therapists and professionals or even trained no imagine no just like here you're gonna now you're gonna have authority over these troubled kids quote-unquote troubled kids that are probably triggering yeah your own shit Mm mm-hmm of course and and of course you have these people who are like also talking about their prior experience as addicts and their you know sexual misconduct and and whatever it is that they have participated in you know maybe they were like previous sex workers or they're like doing these things and if they don't have any training if they don't know like hey we don't talk about that with kids or like whatever or maybe they're just having conversations with the other people there maybe participating in their own group therapy but everyone's there and it's just like accessible yeah that's messy so Synodon creates this thing called the Imperial Marines, and these are the people that are the enforcers. So they are the people that, like, are basically enforcing a lot of the violence, but they eventually get 
wrapped up in the inevitable arrests that happened. And when that happens, it's determined that there were over 80 violent acts that were committed, including mass beatings that hospitalized teenagers and a couple of ranchers. So, like, they bought this area up in Northern California, and a couple of ranchers had been beaten in front of their families. There were some people who left the organization who were then caught and beaten. One person went into a coma. Someone else had a near-fatal case of meningitis. The beatings were really, really intense. Because of this violence, in 1978, a new segment comes out around the controversies for Synanon. And after this, the NBC network, which was the one who like put out the segment, gets hundreds of threats from Synanon members and supporters. On October 10th, 1978, Two Synanon members place a de-rattled rattlesnake, so the snake itself, no rattle, in the mailbox of an attorney, Paul Morantz, who was the one who went on to do this interview and discuss the controversies. He was bitten and survived because his neighbor heard him screaming and called the cops, and he got taken to the hospital. He eventually successfully files the suit on behalf of the people that were being held against their will by Synanon and is the, like, leading expert on Synanon. But they eventually get uh, raided. Synanon gets raided by the LAPD where they search the ranch, and this is where they find the weapons that Nao is talking about stockpiling weapons, and Chuck Dederick himself was arrested while drunk on December 2nd, 1978. Two other residents were also arrested, and they pleaded no contest to charges of assault and conspiracy to commit murder, and here's the most upsetting part of this entire thing. Chuck receives probation because his doctors claimed that due to his ill health, he would most likely die in prison. This was in 1978. He does not die until 1997. Oh, hell no. And that, my friends, is the story of Synanon and the wild, <laughs> a great thing turned cult. Yeah. What'd you guys think? I hate him so much. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> it's just if just a formula for like cult leaders. I think like now that unfortunately we have so much information to gather, you know, just to talk about it formally or informally, it just seems so like like there's a list, like those red flags, I guess, right? Like, um, and yeah, yeah, it's yeah. I think and it happened, and it, it sounds like it happened during the new movement right of mm-hmm. like the like the 60s yeah 60s 70s, 70s when all the cults yeah. happened <laughs> all the cults and they you know and, and it sucks because i think you know the folks that were that were vulnerable to that were just like i just want to better myself right i don't want to live in this oppressed like post-war era anymore so then like then you, when you have folks that are bringing in like the eastern um tr- like practices of like buddhism and and all that stuff like mm-hmm. that gets so muddied into this new age thing then it becomes so appropriated that you're like i don't even know if this is a call or is this real like right use this? um yeah that's and i know there's so much more like stuff yeah that he did too right yes like, it's just this wild. is a brief overview of all of the things <laughs> yeah. and i know that my listeners know but all my resources are always on patreon so if you want to listen to all the things that i listen to or the things that i read that's all there but this is truly a snippet because there's so much and that's how I feel like with every cult that I've covered this season there is so much I literally cannot fit it all into an episode yeah yeah absolutely um Neo is so good with all the like the like law enforcement FBI (laughs) she always gets like like it seems classified I'm like damn bitch how'd you get that (laughs) We need to know the secrets. Now, what what did you think about all of this? Give us more info. Yeah, no, it's wild. Uh, and you're right. Um, there's always more to the story. And one of the things that they mentioned is that he developed a policy that he wanted to uh, pretty much perform vasectomies on all the uh, 
male children in the organization, and um, he would send them to hustle uh, for all these resources to ensure that the organization was kept on going. And um, I guess the FBI looked into him because they had to look for any terroristic threat, any intent to overthrow the government because of how he was amassing all this power and influence among people. And so, um, yeah, the, the FBI report is just uh, it's something else. <laughs> a lot of it is redacted, and I'm guessing it's to protect the identity of people that, got, that came forward. Mm, yeah. yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, they go from, like, the ranks to, like, the names and labels that they use to structure the organization and pretty much brainwash people yeah. into working it. And at some point, I think it says that it was, like, charging them for the lifestyle. So for them to live in the facility, yeah, uh, which is, like, the ultimate hustle, because now you don't need them to make your money. Like, now they're giving it to you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so um, that's just... That's just that's just awful to exploit people like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, but yeah, I I would say that someone like that definitely has something going on. <laughs> well, let's talk about that. So, <laughs> so what do we think is wrong with Charles E. Dederick? So obviously, we have an alcohol use disorder. Yeah. Right. Somebody who already self-identifies as an alcoholic, but to have a substance use disorder, you're talking about the amount of substance that you use impacts your ability to function. So I like to just kind of clarify that because it doesn't mean that you just drink. It doesn't mean that you drink every day. It means that it impacts your ability to function. And then also, like I mentioned, narcissistic personality disorder, mm-hmm. which is a classic cult leader diagnosis. Yeah. If maybe he was on something else, because part of it might be, like, the personality traits, but a lot of the things that he, likes, he's coming up with, it, it's, like, like paranoia. Outside, yeah. Outside of the plane of reality that he's mm-hmm. operating in. So I'm like, I wonder if he kind of tried a little something there, especially in the, the, the late 1960s. Like, you have, like, people coming back from, like, a couple years later, back from Vietnam, LSD. Mm-hmm. MK Ultra also is I think that's when mm-hmm. the time CIA yeah. experiment yeah. started maybe yeah. kind of so he did I do check that history. Okay. <laughs> yeah. No, no, no. My memory. You're right. So he did do that LSD experiment. I'm going to find the actual date for it in 1957. The person, okay, ready for this? The person who did that experiment with him was also the person who was Charles Manson's primary doctor. So if you want to talk about MK Ultra. No way. Yes. And there's like lots of theories that Charles Manson was actually yes. like a participant in MK Ultra, but this experiment that he did was with the same person. Mm. So like very much. And just to just to correct it, 1953 is when MK Ultra started. So okay. Yeah. Almost 20 years later. Well, 19, no, 1957 was when he did the initial when he did it. So, test. Yeah, so within the time frame of MK Ultra, absolutely. Yeah. Oh, okay. But I do agree, like... Was he operating on a bad trip? (laughs) (laughs) Well, so he says he didn't experience any hallucinations, which I'm like, what's going on with your brain that you didn't experience hallucinations? So this, I think this goes into, like, the narcissistic, like... Like, he's, he's like, a street preacher, I think, right? Because they all, like, call him, de- like, the young um, yes. drug users end up calling him dad. Very Jim Jones. Created, yes, when he created that informal, like, you know, AA community. And it, it, it was it was not, like, altruistic, where he was like, oh, yeah, I'm, you know, like, I'm right. self-sacrificing. It was because of his ego. Mm-hmm. Because, like you said, um, Adair, that, like, when he was like, oh, I didn't have any hallucinations. I just, like, felt emotions, and then now I have this clarity. <laughs> Okay. Yeah. We're like, because that makes me think, like, maybe there just was something different in his brain. And, like, maybe Mm -hmm. just, like, on a chemistry level, on a biological, physiological level, maybe there was something just different with his brain where he truly didn't experience hallucinations. But maybe he's a narcissist and a fucking liar. Yeah. (laughs) Which I think is far more accurate. (laughs) Yeah. And I think, too, going into, like, his childhood stuff... Um, he was a child of an alcoholic yeah. father. So, like, just 
childhood trauma if you're going into like the aces right mm-hmm. like that like what you know that attachment um and i think you know when we talk about like where does narcissism come from um really like they're they're symptoms of having like those those like lack of empathy like the arrogance like that's protection mm-hmm. for yep. somebody that didn't have their needs met so like that makes sense why a lot of these cult leaders function like this mm-hmm. yeah and I think too like back to the childhood stuff something that's way overlooked in men is borderline personality disorder and given that he has the risk-taking behaviors of drinking he has short intense relationships he had like Mm. three different marriages none of them lasted very long his younger brother died when he was really young his dad died when he was young talk about like fear of abandonment like you're already meeting a lot of the criteria for that too true that's a good point and he made a rule where all, all of his uh, members could had to sw- like divorce, like yes, divorce, oh, and you're only allowed to be together yes. for three years. Three years, and he gets to assign who yes. you're married to. So this is very, very Jim Jones. And I've in a lot of the things that I listened to and read, people did compare him to Jim Jones and and the city that he made in Marin County to Jonestown. Yes. But he does do that, which is very cult leader esque of like you and you random people you're now together and after three years you're gonna divorce because he can't be in a relationship for that long it's kind of people that way yeah yeah so maybe more borderline-y than anything else that's true too yeah that checks out (laughs) nao's just shaking her head i don't know if that means she has things to say or not she always does and it's always like so poignant (laughs) just shock and dismay (laughs) yeah what the heck guys like (laughs) kind of reminds of that movie midsummer did you guys ever yes or they're like using lsd uh uh, i don't know it's a I don't, I don't even know how to feel about the movie now, but <laughs> they're using psychedelics. They're following, like, kind of their own society rules in there. And um, they assign partners to each other mm. to keep, like, the group going. Mm. Like, um, And I think they're in a country overseas, mm-hmm. kind of secluded. So not everybody's invited because of the plot of the movie. So um, I guess watch out your own advice. (laughs) (laughs) It is very, like, that's a very, like, psychological horror movie, which is my jam. I love that stuff, but it's not for everybody. But it is actually really similar in that, like, it's, right, these are the things we look for in a cult, though, right? Seclusion, isolation, disconnect from the other people, and then you have, like, the charismatic leader, and you have the person who's, like, putting all their control into this and including controlling other people, what they do, where they go, who they talk to and stuff like that and I think part of that coming back to like potential borderline is that fear of abandonment he says you can't graduate everyone has to stay here forever they can never leave me yeah right mm-hmm. okay Peter Pan <laughs> right <laughs> oh my gosh there was some like an article about like was Peter Pan holding the kid hostage because he didn't grow up so he kept the other kids it's a dark turn. I know. I mean, Disney is dark as fuck, but like that's yeah. a dark perspective. <laughs> oh my God. I mean, but I wonder because you know how the like the brother Grimm's tales are like very dark from. Yeah. I mean, European tales. Like, I wonder if that's the original story, and then of course Disney like was like, let's just cut out all the other parts. Right, like, but make yeah. it more racist. <laughs> yeah. You know how yeah, Disney does. So cutting. Yeah. Like, stereotypes. Keep those in. Those yes. Cool. We love a good stereotype, but get rid of the dark stuff. <laughs> exactly. No one likes that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. That was a good one. Anything else on Chuck that you guys think is there? You mentioned paranoia. Now, I think that's very true. I think there is a lot of paranoia, but I wonder if that still factors in with the borderline. Yeah, I don't think I don't think he's like there's like any psychosis or, yeah. or any of that. But yeah, mm-hmm. I think I think it's the paranoia, the delusional paranoia of like I'm I'm at harm. I'm going to mm-hmm. be abandoned. Like people, I'm going to lose my followers for sure. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, borderline. And I love, like, the point of you said of not enough men are yeah. um, not diagnosed because that, that um, 
the emotional Short extremes get are factored very, in. Are very yeah. normalized, right? In men, where women they're like, "Oh my god, you're so emotional. You must be borderline because you can't yeah. handle an an emotion." Um, <laughs> right. <laughs> Because, like, working with vets, like, I, I I saw that a lot, not a lot, like, the, not the diagnoses, but, like, mm-hmm. that's when I kind of um, learned about how is is overly diagnosed in, in women and yes. male vets, uh, veterans, because of that, like, expected, normalized um, anger and emotional dysregulation, mm-hmm. and also sometimes just automatically, like, oh, it's PTSD. Yeah. Like, you can't just throw PTSD on there just because they're angry like there's right. criteria that helps <laughs> factor that out so, yeah 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 okay do you guys want to go through the psychopath checklist oh yes okay that so I think it. what the best way would be is like let's just give a yes or no to the points so first is glib and superficial charm I say yes 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 okay a grandiose estimation of self yeah yeah. <laughs> like creating a city, <laughs> becoming a church. <laughs> okay. Yep. Need for stimulation. I think the alcohol factor is into that too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. And the women. Like the Also true. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Pathological lying. I think yeah, I so. <laughs> I think so. Cunning and manipulativeness. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Lack of remorse or guilt. Yeah, I yeah. Think even throughout the whole thing. Yeah, I think that's like sometimes I have a tough one with those ones where people don't like physically do something to somebody else, but I don't think he feels bad about bringing people into this and like keeping them there and kidnapping people and doing crazy shit. And he was the directive of these the fucking what do you call it? Imperial, imperial yeah. Marines, like yes. you're the one that like commanded them. So yeah, and then he has no qualms about like beating the shit out of people for yeah. his word. Or yeah, or having people beat the shit out of each other. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> kind of yeah. Charles Manson didn't ever do it himself, but exactly. there's that. Mm-hmm. Um, shallow affect. So I didn't find. Like, usually I base that off of, like, interviews, pictures, videos, and I couldn't find a whole lot of that of him. And um, he had meningitis, I think, when he was pretty young. So, like, part of his face almost looked like that of a stroke victim. So, like, just not the same, like, muscle movement. So I think that would be hard to look at for him. Um, But... That's my perspective. Yeah, no, I think he had lots of affect. (laughs) I think he was very angry. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Callousness and lack of empathy. Yeah. Yes. Parasitic lifestyle. Yes. Yeah. Because, and I like to point these out because sometimes, like, people are like, oh, you know, they live off of other people. No, this was a man who did not work. This was a man who literally lived off of people donating to him. That is a parasite. From the get, too. Like, from the beginning. Yeah. From early on. Yeah, his annual salary, according to the FBI, was $75,000. Hmm. Off of other people? Uh-huh. The Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, back then that was a good amount of money. It was enough no, to to I buy all of the. Yeah, <laughs> it's like that's more than a lot of therapists make. <laughs> Do you work for a nonprofit? Because we're not making that money. <laughs> making pretty good money. Um, and in Cali, that's pretty. Yeah, that's pretty good. Right? Yeah, especially in the '60s and '70s. Mm-hmm. Uh, poor behavioral controls. Yeah. Yes. Sexual promiscuity. Not so much. I mean, he had, like, the three wives. Did he, Mm. like, was he promiscuous, though? True. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't see, I didn't see, like, with, like, other, like, followers from, like, the way, like, uh, Ranieri was. Yeah, right. But I'm wondering, like, emotionally, and this is probably a reach on my end, but, like, you know what I mean? Like, Like, he just was not like content with that because of maybe the borderline right of like this just vulnerability piece yeah absolutely and I think that there's like an emotional aspect to that but I don't know if that fits yeah with this particular criteria yeah I see that um early behavior problems so he started drinking in high school that would be considered an early behavior problems right yeah. Do we know anything, like, younger? Do they have... 
not a whole lot. He seemed to just, like, I mean, the only stuff I could find was about his dad and his brother dying. But there wasn't too much yeah. about him. Or, like, not him getting in trouble or anything like that. That Yeah, that was, like, essentially written about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean... A lack of history doesn't mean that there isn't a history. True, true. <laughs> so, I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. Uh, next, we have lack of realistic long-term goals, and I definitely don't think he had any realistic long-term goals. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't even know. Like, yeah, was his long-term goal, like, just continue being a, a cult leader? <laughs> I that's how I feel about it too and I'm always like I don't think that's a realistic long-term goal (laughs) the one goal that he yeah uh impulsivity yes making Mm. people shave their heads uh I mean obviously he had a relapse at some point I would consider that to be impulsive as well hating the kids for like no I mean yeah being like like, yeah I mean he didn't like kids he referred to having a kid as crapping out a football that is a quote. Direct quote. <laughs> yeah. I think it's funny. Wait, he's crapping them out? That, 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 that birthing a child is equivalent to crapping out a football. I mean, I guess. <laughs> I just think that's that a great big. quote. <laughs> he has some like zingers. Like, yeah. Who do you think brought you here, man? Yeah. You were that football crap. <laughs> right. <at one> time. <laughs> It's true. Um, all right, we have irresponsibility. Yes. Um, failure to accept responsibility for one's own actions. Yeah. Many short-term marital relationships. Would you look at that? Absolutely. We already talked about it with the borderline. Juvenile delinquency, which he doesn't have, at least not on record. Yeah. Revocation of conditional release. So, again, he only got probation, which is so upsetting. <laughs> so, yeah. no, he hasn't had any revocation of his release. And lastly, criminal versatility, which is a yes. Yeah. Kidnapping, yeah. probably some money laundering. Oh, well, absolutely. Assault and battery. <laughs> you have a lot of stuff in there. A yeah. lot of stuff. Conspiracy to commit child abuse child abuse if that was in his own hand right exactly well that is what's wrong with chuck dederick so mao and neo do you want to tell us where everyone can listen to you and find your stuff promote yourself go for it go yeah so we are on spotify apple and some other places but you find us there um we're a millennial therapist podcast with mal and neo we're on instagram mt podcast with mal and neo um and that's it and (laughs) they will be tagged when i post stuff so you can find them through that um if i can i think i can tag you guys or at least like link to you in spotify so i'll try to do that too but go listen they have really good great episodes um recently i was telling them before we started that i listened to their one about cults and mlms which is so interesting so i know i just recently did an episode on nexium but if you want to learn more about how mlms can become cults go listen to that and of course all of their other episodes they have great ones ted bundy i listened to that one recently too just because i love to see what people say about ted bundy because he's an interesting guy there's so much to be said there's so much (laughs) i recently got a sticker that's says Ted Bundy was a Republican and I had to put that on my car and on my laptop and everywhere else that I could just to like remind people that you know there are choices out there and you could align with a serial killer or not (laughs) it's your choice it's your choice choice, of course (laughs) well thank you guys so much for being here I appreciated your guys's input and everything else and that my friends is what's wrong with them I said, hey, what's wrong with them? Till next time, homies.